Hey guys, it's Marsha Hoffines, and you are listening to the Storytellers Podcast, where we dig in, go deep, find ourselves, maybe cry, maybe laugh. We surrender, but we go home, and we go home big. We feel inspired. It's the story behind the cellophane. It's the story inside the truth. It's a story that most people don't want to tell, but we're here to share. Let's get started. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for joining us and listening and tuning in wherever you are listening to your podcast. Keep on listening, sharing, enjoying, and hey, follow us on social media. Instagram is msh underscore shift. You can also follow me, Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A underscore Hines, H-O-F-F. H-E-I-N-S. You can also find us on the book and join our makeshift tapping group. It's a public open group. We share goodies and information. Um, visit my website, marshallhoffines.com. Sign up for the newsletter and we'll just keep you full of all the goodies. All of them. All the time. Talk to you soon. So it's so offensive and I, and, and literally this is like the fifth podcast in a row that I am starting talking about the zoom announcement. And I'll tell you why, because I feel like it's really off putting at the end of a yoga class, like we're done everyone's Zen. And all of a sudden it's like recording, whatever, whatever they say. And it's loud. Doesn't it Mm -hmm. seem loud? Like it could have also improved (laughs) the cadence of the voice. Yes. Or made it like a little bit less yeah, robotic and abrupt. Yeah, because it does seem very abrupt. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's, I don't care if it's yoga or what, it just, it's all of a sudden, it's like screaming in your ears. And particularly mm-hmm. because we all typically like use AirPods and things like that now. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you remember the, do you remember the Audix lady? Like if you go way back into when we used like landline phone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to get so angry when I would get her because she was just abrupt and kind yeah. of rude and she was yeah. a robot lady, but yeah, this I is mean, the new Audix lady. I think it's kind of like Alexa. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, they just, they're, they don't have personalities and that's the problem. And mm-hmm. I see Sam sleeping behind you. I know what a good bud. Oh, yeah, it's a sleepy day, sleepy Friday. He's usually at school today, but he's is, um, just hanging. Is that one of those? Um, so I have one of those fluffy blankets. Is it like a dog blanket from like paw.com? No, oh. no, but I was going to get him one, but no, this was actually my fancy furry cozy blanket. That was for me. Mm-hmm. And he has um, yeah. taken it over. So yes. I had to get a new one because this one makes him happy and he runs the house. Yes, they do. (laughs) They do. If we let them, right. I mean, I I, I think that there's people who they're like, my dog doesn't get on my bed. I'm like, I don't, how, how do you do that? I don't know. know. And, and not in a judging way. I just, I Uh don't know how you keep the animals. I'm a terrible dog trainer. I am too, because I love them. Like I love people. And we know we can't train people. I just want to snuggle them all the I time. Know. 
<laughs> this is what you need to know about Jen. And actually, yeah. what a wonderful <laughs> way for me just to just lead in because I am here with Jen Hoyer today and I do have written down she's one of the snuggliest people I know. <laughs> so it's Aww. actually kind of funny because you know, as I get to introduce many times my friends, um, that's my dogs just having a killer of a time. They're just ballers right now behind me. Um, I, you know, we go through like, I'm like, how do you want me to introduce you? And I'm like, you know, Jen is just, I remember the moment I met you and you guys guessed it. I met Jen in yoga. That's how almost every single one of my conversations starts, which is fine. Um, I actually have a complex about that for a very specific reason, but something that I'm not going to take up time talking about today, but I really shouldn't have a complex about the fact that I meet most of the people in the yoga room. Okay. Back to Jen. The first time I met her, or soon thereafter, she was like wearing like a cozy little hat. And I think there was like a scarf involved with a cute little outfit and her and I shared lots of tears together, but I just remember it was like, so you just have that, like, I want to hug you. I want to wrap you up. I want you to come and like literally lay on the couch covered in blankets with me. And we are just like in love. She's that human being. She carries that energy. And I mean, I can tell you that she loves Venn diagrams and I'm sure we're going to learn way more about that. <laughs> and I can tell you that she is like a massive, successful, you know, creative marketing woman who just like loves the philanthropic world, but none of that matters because really who Jen is. <laughs> My dogs have a lot to say about this right now. They're very excited is, because I also like snuggling them. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> is she's like a big warm hug. And so I hope that's what you guys feel today as we have this conversation. So thanks for being here with me, Jen. Thank you. And thank you for that lovely introduction because you do give some pretty good hugs too. So, well, you know, from so one, one hugger to another, from, from one <laughs> hugger to another, that's that's awesome. So I'm going to let Jen just go ahead and we're going to rip off the band-aid and be like, where does your story start? Like, where do you want to, where do you, how far back, where do you want to go? What do you want us to know? Where do you, where do you feel like you, you begin? Know, yeah. You know, in thinking about that question, um, I, I've joked with a lot of people that I'm kind of in this Gen 2.0 um, version. And, you know, my story of me and my life started long, long ago. And I have a lot of starting points from when I was a kid and things I intently remember and things that happen in adolescence and early childhood. And, you know, some then really poignant moments um, in, you know, losing my dad and losing a marriage um, in the last five years that have really changed things for me. And it made me think, where does my story begin now? <laughs> um, yeah. Because a lot of that, you know, is history and 
it's good to look back on and to see it and to process it and think about it. And what I've learned from all of those things, but it's hard to say now, like when I'm in this 2.0, it's like, it's begun again. Mm. Um, and it's exciting and scary and, and all of those things. Um, I will say, you know, some, some of the things that are most, I guess, significant and defining, even in the 2.0 that I'm really aware of now, um, that I wasn't, I think, in the first iteration of my life, which is like the first 38 years-ish, yeah. um, it's just the implications that um, those moments have, um, you know, the layers of paint that people talk about, um, that each instance in each year of your life kind of leaves, um, leaves something behind and it makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this really amazing conversation with my mom the other day about, um, you know, my mom and I shared a very similar part of our story of grief at the same time. So she lost um, a husband at the same time I lost my dad um, a few years ago. And we were just talking the other day about um, how all of the history of our lives makes who we are. And it has so many implications on where we're going, but it doesn't have to define us. And in the moment when it's happening, um, we feel really defined by the event. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, two things and I'll, I'll do the first one is like defining ourselves by the moments, right. Or attaching ourselves to something like, oh, um, and of course I can't understand what it's like to be a widow, but knowing a few people who are young and then even watching my father many years ago, when he lost my mother, this identity of suddenly like. I am this, right? Whereas mm-hmm. are we that, or is it the experience that's turning us into mm-hmm. something different, making us change shape and making us like mm-hmm. have a different, um, state of awareness of maybe it pulls another lesson from a different part of our life forward, right? Like mm-hmm. that. And it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be like you say, an attachment. Um, and I really love that, um, that idea, because, you know, when, when my mom passed, my father was really with my brothers and not so much with Mm -hmm. me. I was, I had a young family. I had a husband. I didn't go through the journey really with my dad over him losing his wife and me losing my mom. Mm -hmm. Right. That was more of my dad and my brother's experience together. So tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about that, because I think that's, I also, you know, and I've been having this revelation a lot lately. And so I want you to share about this because for me, it's, it's all for me, it's kind of selfish, right? It's helping me reconcile and heal the non-existent relationship that I had with my mother because I didn't have that relationship with my mom. And of course she was taken from this world when she was 57. So very young. Mm. So I, I, I'm not getting to watch my mom grow old. I didn't get to watch my mom go through these things. And her and I had a very challenged relationship for many years. 
Mm-hmm. So tell, t- tell us a little bit more about this, like experience with your mom and has your relationship with your mom always been a strong one? Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. It's always been, I, I've always had a strong relationship with my mom. Um, my dad and I, I think everyone from the outside saw a lot that we were kind of these carbon copies of one another, everyone, the way, from the way that I look um, to the way that I operate my kind of connectedness as a person, like I thrive in connecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was my dad a hundred percent. And I think my dad was such a larger than life guy, um, leader in the community that I think oftentimes, you know, my mom really had, had seen her role as supporting that. Mm. And in losing my dad and getting to have this like grown up um, relationship with my mom, not just child and parent, but this grown up relationship with my mom and to see her lose her husband at the same time I was losing mine mm-hmm. in very different ways. Right. Um, it just, it connected us in a way where we had an understanding that other people didn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really started to see my mom as like the powerhouse that she is just, wow, what a moment just from like faith and strength and kindness and leadership that she wasn't shining out front all the time. And, but she was shining. And I think we just never noticed it in the same way. Um, And so I'd love to see that in my mom and then she sees it in me, which is really awesome. Yeah. What a moment, right? I, what a moment that you just described. Like I was losing my marriage at the same time that she lost her. Like talk about that as an experience. Like what was like, walk us through, you know, the series of events, like how all that came to be in space and time. Yeah. Um, I was, gosh, 39. So I'm 44 now. So it's not been that long. Five (laughs) Um, years, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing how quickly and slow it goes at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my dad had been unwell on and off. And I think Um, I'm, I'm the oldest and I live out of town. So my family, uh, my, my mom and dad and sister live, live, um, in Pennsylvania. I have a brother in North Carolina. And so I was always the middle. I could go three hours one way and four hours another, but I was, I've, I was very, very busy all the time, just busy working a lot and just busy. And whenever I talked to my parents, they go, we know you're busy. We don't want to bother you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm so busy. I'm traveling and I have all these important work things to do. And, um, and so my sister, you know, is similar to your brother's uh, experience, Marsha, that you mentioned, you know, my sister was on the, the um, front row seat of kind of seeing things that were declining um, in my dad's health. And I think for me, it was easier to just say, they're so dramatic like he's going to be fine. It's Mm -hmm. just, 
I don't go and I don't see it. And I think it helps me to not deal with it. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Don't have to think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, right around the same time that my dad had had a few setbacks and I was convinced that it was not as bad as it was. Um, I realized that my husband at the time, um, was not all the things I thought that, that he was and the trust that I inequivocally had in him, um, was extremely broken. Um, just by stepping out of our marriage in a lot of different ways. And when that moment happened, it, it was um, it was a gut feeling I had. And I've been told now by many of a therapist and really good friends that you have to trust your intuition. And so many times we tell ourselves that we're crazy and that what we're feeling or what we're seeing or these physical ailments that are a- manifesting are just, you know, I can't manage dairy or I'm, I'm celiac or whatever it is. And many times it's your body telling you like something isn't right, not just in your body, but in your life. Yeah. We just talked about this. Ironically, you missed class. Did you? This is exactly what we talked about in class this morning. This idea that like that pain in your body, that stiffness, that resistance, sometimes it's not just, oh, my have tight hips and I'm going to stretch more. It's mm-hmm. no, nope, something's actually physically wrong with me and I need to actually listen to the signal. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. thank you for saying yeah. that because I think that's oftentimes, per, and I am going to insert, particularly as women, we dismiss. Mm-hmm. dismiss. It's so. true. It's mm-hmm. true. And so I had been having all of these health issues that I had been in and out of tubes and having this and that, like, you know, um, pictures taken and inside whatever's and no one could figure out what it was. And so it was almost like the, the moment that I had this hunch and I followed it and I followed him and I found out all the things, it was almost like this 150 pound like weight slash tumor or whatever was like gurgling inside of my stomach was gone was like out yeah and all of that kind of happened at the same time and I remember for one entire month I told no one I removed him from our home um I stopped going to work I had a wonderful job that didn't ask me questions. And I laid on the floor in my walk-in closet for pretty much every day. Um, I couldn't figure out what clothes to wear. I didn't eat for pretty much a month. Um, And finally, uh, about a month in, um, you know, my family always jokes and they say, when you go in your cave, like there's something wrong. Like when we don't hear from you for extended periods of time, we know you're hiding from something. And so I heard from my brother and I told my brother and I made him swear to secrecy that he would not tell my parents because my dad wasn't doing well. And, um, and finally a few days later, he convinced me to talk to my parents and I did. And I had a chance to to tell my mom and dad what was happening. And they cried on the phone with me 
um, and just said, come home. And, you know, my dad was so, so sick. And my mom pretty much spent her time between going to the basement to care for him and coming upstairs to care for me. And I saw strength in that in her. Um, and you know, shortly thereafter, my, my dad passed away and, um, I watched grief actually, um, really bring our family close together. We had never been a family that was torn apart in any way, but Mm -hmm. you know, we, we got busy and we had a tendency to kind Mm -hmm. of spread for long periods of time and see each other kind of quarterly and, you know, almost Mm -hmm. like businessy. Um, and man, I realized right away who my little army was. Yeah. I mean, my family was there friends who I had had for years and years who I kind of kept at arm's length. I'm not sure why, um, just showed up in a big way for me. And Mm -hmm. I, um, I talk about Gen 2.0, like I, up until that time, I felt like I had no friends. Mm. Yeah. It's like, you know, relationships can swallow us up Yes, and, and we become, you know, and then these moments, right. And you had the collision of two huge grief bombs like thrown at you at the same time right and I met you shortly thereafter yeah you did yeah (laughs) I met you shortly thereafter and even in that not even understanding the depth of the pain and the grief that you were going through you Mm -hmm. still were showing up as this like um very empathetic and open and warm and receptive woman who wasn't fearing putting herself out there, which I think is just such a remarkable testament of the strength that's inside of you that you clearly, uh, got from not only your father, but your mother. Right. It sounds like, and now you know this, right. Whereas maybe it was kind of, yeah. Yep. Yep. I I was just going to say, um, it was always, and this is what's really interesting that you that you've observed that about me and that you said that I'm snuggly because I was convinced for a very long time that I was hard hard to get close to and hard to be around. Um, me too. I think because I was told, because I was told that. Um, well, I'm going to tell you something, and I, and I and I always somehow weave in tools and things like that that I teach that I that I share with people, but like you know, I, I glanced at your human design chart before we got on the call today. Um, and this isn't going to get into a human design conversation, but those of us who have this, um, identity center that's defined and we have a strong sense of self, we, we can be, I mean, what does people always say to me? Like, you intimidated me. I was afraid of you. You scared me. But then all of a sudden, like, if you, like you would probably never explain, like ex- describe anybody like Nettie to me, you wouldn't tell anyone ab- that about me. You'd be like, Oh, Marsha, she's going to make you feel these things. Mm-hmm. But like, 
And the same with you, like, but it's because we just know who we are and you've Mm -hmm. got this like army leader energy inside of you that you're just like, not aggressive, but like you can command and keep things going. Right. Mm -hmm. So that can be, and when people, so we both also were athletes. And so guess what? That's Mm -hmm. where that identity really comes forward because you got to be a leader on the court and a leader on the field. And you got to be strong in your position. And we had that, but really you come off the court and you're not that person anymore, but that is like this definition of Jen Hoyer. That is this Mm -hmm. definition of Marsha Hoffines. And I got to learn about you and see you in a totally different way, which what a gift, right? What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you helped me you see me in a different way, you know, and all the people who've come around me have helped, helped me see me in a different way because I, I was convinced that I was those things. And I think you can be strong and assertive. You know, this is the one thing too, that I kind of made a note of is that we see some emotions as positive and other emotions as negative. So like, we can't be angry. We can't be sad. You know, um, we, they get, they get um, this really bad rap. And, you know, I think for me personally, you know, I was like a sassy kid. I was the first, my parents said my first word was no, no. My first word was why. And my second word was no. Um, you know, my mom always jokes when I go home to visit, oh, look, all of these, you know, how to raise a strong-willed child books on the bookshelf were for you. And I think that there's, you know, this feeling of like, especially in, in maybe the time that we were raised as kids, it's like, you, you don't want to throw a temper tantrum and you can't get angry and you know keep your chin up don't feel sad and there's nothing wrong like they're emotions they're not negative or positive they are emotions and if we do not have them they manifest in stomach issues and all those other things I was talking about yes um and we also don't get to see like the complexities of who we are as people if we're only ever like Pollyanna happy or you know rainbows and butterflies everything is great like it helps us connect when people know that we are human. Yeah. Yeah. And we grew up in the generation of parents who, you know, they only, they did the best that they could, right. With the tools that they had at the time, but it really was like, don't be emotional, slow down. Don't be so mm-hmm. loud. Don't do, you know, don't make a big deal about these things. And those things mm-hmm. then teach you later on that, oh, I'm not supposed to let anybody know that I'm sad right now. So I'm going to be overly happy. Right. Um, and then we do sometimes, yeah. you know, I don't think I've ever done this, but I definitely know people in my world who have done it where like everything is good all the time. And you're like, something's going on there. Right. Like if everything is so good all the time, Mm-hmm. It's because that's their coping mechanism. That's what yep. they are doing in order because they don't, because we were taught to not show the stuff to anybody. Yep. And it, it's interesting. Cause I always tell everybody like, honestly, actually that was never a problem for me. My family, my family's shit kind of played out in front of the world. Everyone mm-hmm. saw it and was almost 
for me, embarrassing. And so what happened for me was I thought something was wrong with us and I needed to find the normal family. (laughs) I wanted to find the family where everything was quiet and everything was good. But then what I realized is like, oh, well, no, that's broken too. I didn't understand that though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we do, we take on these identities. We take on these, uh, these conditions and these projections of what Mm -hmm. other people think about Mm -hmm. us. And then all of a sudden someone looks at you and tells you the total opposite. You're like, well, that doesn't seem right. And how do you know that about me? And it seems very suspicious. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. The number of times that I've been like, something's probably wrong with him. Like, why does he like me so much? Like, why does he think I'm so sweet and kind? Like maybe he's just super needy, you know, and is it doesn't really (laughs) like me for who I am. Something's wrong with him. Right. (laughs) But that's, you know, that's kind yeah. of like my mind. And yeah. the yeah. other thing that kind of um, popped into my head as we were talking here too, because I think you um, may also have, we have a lot of similarities. And I, mm-hmm. and I wonder too, if you've ever felt this way that, um, you know, as a kid and even as a person, um, as I've gotten older, my parents always said I was very independent. Like mm-hmm. I went to kindergarten and yes. I was like, peace out. Like, yes. don't come get me. Yep. I'll call you. Yeah. And there's, sure. there's part of me too, that as I was thinking about this, that like independence can sometimes be a mask for hurt. Oh. Or even anger. Oh. Right. And so I had this moment where I was thinking about this because I was like, if you go away and you're like, I'm good on my thing mm-hmm. you don't have to let people in you don't have to let them see how you're feeling or that you're hurt and I, I think for me sometimes that independence was you know my parents being busy with all of my sick relatives or my dad being the major breadwinner and always traveling and never home or like I so I don't know if you yeah ever felt that way or I mean Jen I I I don't know if I've ever shared the story with you I know I've shared it along the way but like I remember being 10 years old laying on my towel in my side yard lathered in baby loves baby oil Johnson's baby oil loves baby yeah. oil. where did that come from you know sunbathing at 10 <laughs> yeah see I'm, I'm taking us all the way back everyone can like be like, yep, I remember putting baby oil on my skin to tan, and that was not and a good in, idea. And, and sun, sun in, in the hair, sun in, and our dark hair that made you look like a penny. <laughs> it was good stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember laying there, and I'm like, who's gonna take care of me? Oh, I have to take care of me. And I knew right there and then that in order for me to do what I had to do, I was going to have to take care of myself. And in fact, I got so clear on that, that that became my thing. Like no one else needed to take care of me. Like I, you know, I wasn't going to be dependent on my husband. It was nobody else. It was me Mm -hmm. so much so that like fast forward to like 2011. And I very much remember this moment. I my husband and I were going through bankruptcy. 
And, you know, the girls were at a very interesting time in their life, 10, 11 years old ish, Mm -hmm. something like that. That should be really easy math for me. Mez was born in 2000 and Bella was 2001. So yeah, 10, 11. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember I came out of the shower one day and I was just like in a mode and Rob looks at me. He's like, what is wrong? I'm like, I just want someone to take care of me. Like, and saying it out loud, I was like, what the fuck? Like Mm -hmm. I have for so long taken care of myself, taken care of everybody else. I need someone to take care of me. And he almost, I mean, it was kind of an offensive moment, right? Because here he is my husband. Mm -hmm. But I had, and I had, that was literally me coming to the realization that I was not letting him take care of me. (laughs) I was not letting him participate in my healing, in my journey, in none of it. Mm -hmm. I was all like, Mm -hmm. I got it together. And it was, that was like the first Mm -hmm. real moment, I think in my life where I allowed myself to go and exhale and go, I'm going to let this man Mm -hmm. like really And this is like 12 years into our marriage, right? Like we had been together for quite some time at this point. And this is me finally going, and I'm going to like, just let him take care of me. Mm -hmm. But so, yes, like I can relate to that, um, in such a big way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, things that happen in life or that don't go well, or not always a one, one way street or a one Mm -hmm. reason why. And I think about, you know, the, the kind of dissolving of my marriage. And I, I didn't recognize this about myself until that was over. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody wants to feel needed, you know, and to feel that they can care Mm -hmm. for and help someone else. And if you're someone who's like, I'm good. I got this all the time. You know, there are some people who love that. And then there are other people who are like, I don't feel important to this person at all, or I can't do anything to add to this person or to this person's life. So maybe I need to find somebody whose life I can add to. Um, And that was a realization, you know, to me too, in that um, it feels so good to help other people. And I love doing that. It feels really nice to let people help you. Like it yeah. is so lovely to be wrapped in someone else's snuggly blanket, right? And let yes. them yes. care for you and love on you and you know, like just pick up paper towels for you at the grocery store. Like that's so nice. Yes. Let someone else do for you what you do for them. Mm-hmm right in this and and this goes i mean gosh this this conversation can go in so many directions mm-hmm. um um but where i want to go with this idea is how is this carrying over into what you call gen 2.0 so where i want to go with this is how is all of this transferring forward into this new version of Gen 2.0? Um, 
Number one, I'm trying to listen to my intuition more. Mm -hmm. It still takes me a while to register it. <laughs> it. It like taps me and then it taps me again and it taps me again. I'm like, okay, you've tapped me three times. Now I need to like listen to the thing. So um, that has been a really greater awareness for me. Um, I think the recognition of, you know, something you, you actually said in a class last week, which is our team inside, like our team, like I am a team, I am a team and I have a team around me. Like I'm a team and I can do the things and I have to trust in that. And, um, so I'm trusting in that I'm stepping into some new places career wise, which I literally said to my family a couple weeks ago, never in my life did I think I would have enough courage to step out and do some things on my own, mm -hmm. um, especially during a pandemic. And I mean, that would just be crazy. Uh, but I feel really good about it. And I know I, I can do the things. Um, and I think the biggest thing of all, actually, that I, I have learned that I've taken into this kind of Gen 2.0 and my, mm -hmm. my family will laugh, hopefully, when they listen to this, um, is that I am just an emotional being. Mm -hmm. I can cry at the drop of a hat. I do it in public. I do it at church. I do it with my family. Like, I share how I'm feeling. I'm so open about, you know this thing isn't sitting right with me. Like, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm just feeling really sad today and that's okay. And I don't need to get stuck in the, you know, um, low kind of back and forth rut of where I could get stuck. I can feel it and I can acknowledge it and I can get up over the hump. Um, so I think those are some of the big realizations that I keep coming back to and reminding myself of. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, again, back to human design, Jen is a splenic authority, which means all of her decision-making comes from those like instinctual pings. And the thing that's really um, interesting about that is that instincts have a tendency to be wrapped up in fears and anxieties, right? Because people mm -hmm. are like, cause so sometimes they, it sounds like, you know, making this big change that you're making in your career to people who don't trust that they probably were like, what is that? Like, if you were to tell anybody, like we talked about this a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. If you tell the wrong set of people, they're going to talk you out of it. And you're going to start yep. doubting and questioning yourself. Whereas because that, that instinct that in the moment can be a really scary thing to like, go, hmm, I just have super clarity and I've got to follow this right now. Mm -hmm. But what a beautiful gift that is for you to have as an experience, um, particularly as you are stepping into a very, like mm -hmm. some new territory for yourself. Right. And yeah, anytime we're leaving something that feels super, you know, like a warm hug, but mm -hmm. here's the thing, you know, why you can do this is because you trust yourself, mm -hmm. right? You've, mm -hmm. you have found a certain through all of this, that, that moment, and it was a 
moment for you, but it was this collision of grief where you found strength Mm -hmm. through watching someone who you didn't necessarily see. It's not that you didn't see your mom as strong before, but like you didn't see her in that light. Right. Mm -hmm. So what an inspiring like guide. Yep. Unexpected. Yes. And she's so wise. Hmm. She's so wise. Um, and you know, it's been great. I've seen my mom step into like more leader role, like mm-hmm. even in her friend group mm-hmm. and she started helping to kind of lead a Bible study with a whole group of like intergenerational women. And I'm like, you need to get that wisdom out to these yes. 20 year old people help them, help them, you know, help them see things differently, or at least like take from your experiences and learn, right. Learn from them. Um, and I, and my mom always said to me, like, it's so important to have women in your life Mm -hmm. and to have women friends in your life. Mm -hmm. And I never really understood the value of that until I then was in a place where I was just completely surrounded and held up by all these amazing women and men too, but like these women who got me and who could really like buoy me in a time in ways that I never knew I needed. Um, and so I've told her, you are wise. I should have listened a long time ago. <laughs> well, I mean, that's always the way it goes, right? Like yep. you can, um, I was just having this conversation yesterday as it pertains to coaching, right? Because, you know, bosses can't coach their employees. Parents can't coach their children. Mm-hmm. You need an outside voice all the time because yeah. it's, it's not until we've developed our own sense of security with the relationship that's in front of us, it's easier to hear things from some stranger. They don't know us. Mm -hmm. You feel like when someone who knows you intimately, they're just saying it to, you know, just say it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but you did listen. So that's the thing that's also interesting that I keep finding, at least with my daughters is like, maybe in the moment they're not listening, but then I see the, I see the outcome much later. Right. And I'm like, oh, they are paying attention and they are listening and they are, you know, as best they can in their 20 year old Mm -hmm. ways and your young Mm -hmm. ways. Right. And, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, I always, I think to myself, like, gosh, when did I, when did I finally grow up? And I'm like, well, that's debatable because I still haven't quite gotten there. And I don't (laughs) want to, I like, I really don't want to, like, I think the greatest compliment that I was given recently was when someone said that an event with me was quirky. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. That's how I want it to be. Right. It's a little like quirky. It's a little just funny and a little like fun and not buttoned up and all put together. And But when I really, I think, I think what I'm going for is like when I was able to own my independence and my softness at the same time. And I think it was probably just in the past, like four or five years. 
And then it continues to be mm-hmm. an evolution, right? Because you got to test it out at first and play around with it. Mm-hmm. And then, so what's been the greatest gift given to you or that has come into your life in the past, let's say like three, four years? Ooh. Um, I think the the ability to uh, see the world differently. And I think I learned a lot of that through my yoga teacher practice Mm -hmm. and just spending time in quiet and like Mm -hmm. learning, learning how to understand me, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that I think has been the gift, maybe learning how to understand me. And I've been given the tools Mm -hmm. through you know, just having open conversations with people that I never had before, you know, learning through my teacher training, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for yoga. I mean, the things I learned through that on how to see life differently and how to understand myself better. It's like, I live in the gray now. Yeah. Which is, kind of an uncomfortable Mm -hmm. place for but it's life yeah right so like all the way back to the beginning of what you were saying like right Mm -hmm. we can be angry and happy and sad and Mm -hmm. joyful all at the same time Mm -hmm. and one is not good one it's it's that it's the sutra where everything that's pleasurable is painful and everything that's painful is pleasurable because if we get attached to too Mm -hmm. much to one side, then it just becomes out of balance and it becomes not such a good thing. Right. Yeah. So bringing it all the way back to the beginning. So if you had one tip or tool or quote or something that you would want to leave the beautiful audience that listens to the pod with, what would it be? Trust yourself, trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And I will, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two. The other one is um, a really great piece of advice that I got from my mom that she actually has on a card on her refrigerator, which says, just do the next thing. Uh, do the next right thing. Just yes. do the next thing. Don't get too far ahead. Don't get too far behind. You know, nothing is permanent. Like just do the next thing. And I think that speaks to the attachment. Yeah. You know, that you just talked about. I love it. Well, I could honestly sit here and continue this conversation (laughs) for hours. And I'm pretty sure I'll probably invite you to be a guest again. And we'll talk about all sorts of new and different things. But thank you for taking your time to just be your warm, cuddly self on the pod today. Absolutely. I hope that, you know, what we talked about helps somebody. It will, because it always does. So yeah. you guys, thanks so much for listening and keep on listening, share the pod, let me know, share a review, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>